The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. Going live and we're live. It is Saturday or Sunday, April 19th, 2020. Boris Johnson may be out of the hospital, but now he is under fire for missing key coronavirus meetings uh, in the run-up to the crisis in the UK. The man can't catch a break. The Afghan president's palace is under assault from the coronavirus. My Wall Street Journal alert on my phone just informed me. We don't have fun anymore. But in lieu of fun, we have Carrie Goldberg, who is our mystery guest. Kate, introduce the estimable, awesome, uh, really unpredictably unexpected, uh, awesome Carrie Goldberg. And then I have a really cool story about her. Okay, awesome. Oh my God, I love this story. I'm so glad you're telling the story. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Carrie is a uh, incredible, incredible um, attorney um, who has, um, who is quite the pugilist, uh, you might say, both a, against trolls, perverts, uh, psycho stalkers, um, but also people who tend to like Section 230. Uh, <laughs> and uh, despite the fact that I'm like mediocrely fine with Section 230, Carrie and I are still friends, amazingly. <laughs> Um, she is the author most recently of Nobody's Victim, Fighting Psychos, Stalkers, Furrows, and Trolls. She has her own um, incredible law firm, which I, whose services I have, have, have used, and they're wonderful. If you, if you are one of her clients, you will get a water bottle in the mail that has troll tears written on it. Uh, <laughs> It is one of the few things that I bugged out with for my apartment that like uh, when I left. Um, and we are so lucky to have her on today. You've been covered in like, also you've been in like, I have lost track, but like Glamour, Vanity, you were in Glamour, Vanity Fair, New York Magazine, New York Times Magazine, like the, all the magazines um, with these great, like the, you always get really good pinup, like amazing uh, kind of takes. Uh, of you. But anyways, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Ben has a really great story about Carrie that's hilarious. Uh, so I'm not sure which story you're talking about, but I just want to- have to do with TSA? Oh, I wasn't thinking of that story, but I will add that story to okay. the queue. I'll tell <laughs> both. That story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to tell the story of how I met Carrie, oh, which okay. is a, a few years ago. Um, I was doing a study on uh, sextortion with uh, Quinta Jurassic and Clara Spira and Cody Poplin. And none of us had ever worked on this subject before, but we'd stumbled upon this issue and uh, had done this research to create a kind of data set on sextortion, um, which we were flabbergasted by how many cases and how many victims we identified. Um, and 
Um, and, you know, there simply was not a literature on the subject. And so we reached out to the people who had done work that seemed even remotely related to it. And one of them was a cold email that I sent to Carrie Goldberg asking whether she would review our manuscript. And Carrie did. Um, and uh, among all the people that we reached out to, she was actually the one who turned out to have a whole bunch of clients who had been sextorted. Um, and so she gave us the most amazingly helpful, uh, constructive comments uh, about the modalities of the way sextortion cases take place from a victim uh, point of view. And then when we released it, uh, we asked her to, to speak at our virtual launch event, which was actually done in a kind of Zoom-like uh, fa fashion and did that. And all of this was long before we had ever met. When we actually met to come to Kate's story, by the time we actually met, Carrie was a fan of uh, One Baby Cannon, which at the time I was, um, religiously carrying around with me because people liked uh, meeting Baby Cannon. And, um, and so we were at a conference together uh, at, the, at the University of Maryland hosted by uh, uh, the, the great Danielle Citrin, whom we recently had on the show. And Carrie uh, was delighted to actually meet Baby Cannon and wanted to take him outside and get a selfie with her. So after the conference, we went outside and Carrie held baby Cannon up to her face and I took a picture uh, and then drove Carrie to BWI airport where she was pulled aside by TSA for having explosive residue all over her hands and face. And she spent Amazing a, a fair bit of time, quality time with the TSA in secondary screening. And I have wondered ever since what those conversations were. Yeah, I was using a firearm, but it was a baby cannon. <laughs> and it was like, it's only a little cannon and I didn't carry it with me, but yeah. I, I, yeah, Carrie, what did you, <laughs> what did you possibly tell them that made this okay? Well, at the, I'm looking for the picture, by the way. And okay. then, it is a great if you'll picture. remember, I was wearing a Husqvarna cap that day. Yes, and I had a chainsaw and in you my had, trunk as you well. You were like, oh, let me get my Husqvarna chainsaw out of my car. <laughs> we the had, trunk, we, the trunk, I, like, I like the range that our friends have. I'm just the saying. trunk was open because we were putting Carrie's suitcase in the trunk. And the, the trunk, the, the suitcase went into the trunk, like, the chainsaw is, came out. What's your, what's your intention? Are we really going to the airport, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This is, it's just really incredible. I, um, you find the picture, but I also want to introduce um, the furry friend that Carrie had on the show. That is her new dog, Apollo, uh, which is like the perfect name as we kick off pugilism week trumpets fanfare yeah yeah um we're not playing music on the show anymore carrie because it basically uh we got i i got dinged 
by the copyright police. Oh God! They, like, they, they can't well, keep ab- they can't I'm, keep abuse off of YouTube. But I'm, boy, I'm, can they keep you know pirated Dolly Parton off of YouTube? I'm glad that they're listening and watching. <laughs> yes, it's just uh, so that happened. Um, but yeah, I think that that I've never heard. By the way, and I don't I don't know how long the story is, but I've never heard the story of how you got baby cannon and baby cannon became a thing then i think you know that story carrie i i mean do you no. guys really want it it's it's not a short story okay um and i don't want to use up the time maybe okay. we should have like a special baby cannon episode that has like the whole origin story and everything we can um, do that but um but i don't want to like hijack carrie's Very time kind. with the baby cannon thing I can't find that picture, but I'll, I'll, I'll retweet it shortly after this. Great. Um, so Carrie, how are you doing? Fine. Oh, can I just respond to that in the incredible yes. beautiful, um, introduction? Thank you. Um, <laughs> like my first time meeting Kate was we were both on the panel of, at, at Fordham. Oh yeah, the woman, right. like the women law panel, yeah. And I actually had the made the gaffe of talking about. Um, we were talking about like psychos and stalkers, and I, somebody somehow there was a question in the audience, and somebody asked, you know, what types of professions are are the the offenders? And <laughs> this is great. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, the five professions that we see the most are. Um, entrepreneurs, musicians, professors, and then the, the audience just again. And I was like, oh, there are so many. Yeah. And wasn't it like, and then I was like, oh, I, I was very embarrassed. Um, wasn't police officers one of them? That was surprising to me. And, and police officers. Thanks, babe. I just got, I just got some pizza. Thanks. Do you want to say hi? No. Hi, Torch. So, yeah, so there's, um, so I think that that's kind of a nice uh, way to lead things off. You've had a couple big cases. We can talk about Herrick if you want to. But I want to first talk also about how I didn't really love you at first, Kate. Oh. I loved your dress. dress. But we didn't, I mean, we had very differing. positions during during that yes but um we've come to we've come to really enjoy our time and we don't always talk about things like section 230 no and i think that i learn a lot from your i learn a lot from your disagreements with it and try to be like update my priors on how so, i approach section 230 so for those of you who don't have a section 230 background let me let me just say that i am a moderate critic of section 230 roughly you know the eugene v debs of section 230 carrie is kind of like the communist party of section 230 i was gonna say malcolm x she's pretty hardcore i think is it fair to say carrie when you wake up seething in the middle of the night there's always a section 230 element to your rage. I, yeah, I mean, right now, <laughs> a lot of different, there's a lot of different um, rages. 
happening. Um, but the section 231 is always like bubbling. It's, but I, 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 it's funny when, when somebody um, wants somebody like new to the universe of section 230, maybe a student or something interviews me about it. And if they haven't interviewed a lot of other people, I sometimes have to just tell them, just so you know, I'm a little bit like on the farthest extreme possible when it comes to like um, wanting to abolish this law. So, so are you actually capable of giving a neutral account of what section 230 is? I can and what do it, it really quickly. No, 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 I, I actually oh, want to do it. Can you give like a neutral account of section 230? I think so. Okay, go, go for it. So section 230 back in, in the mid nineties, uh, some of our, our lawmakers our federal lawmakers were awakening to the fact that, that there was porn on the internet. Like- Senator Exxon. Yes. And there was a blue book that Senator Exxon had on his, on his table, right? And it would, was all these printouts of, of pornographic images that could be found on the internet. And so apparently all these, all these people would go into his office and check out the blue book and I don't know, maybe take it into the bathroom or something with them. <laughs> you know, I remember that, that line in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? I, I watched every disgusting second of this twice. <laughs> like that, that was always the way was, Senator Exxon yeah. came off for me. So, um, so the bunch of um, those the senators were like, we really need to do something about the the porno pornography on the internet because it's going to just um, completely contaminate the the brains of all these young whippersnappers who might start using the internet. So they created this law, which is exactly what happened, by the way. Well, spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! They were right. So, um, so they created this law called the Communications Decency Act, Section 230, or I mean, just the Communications Decency Act, which um, outlawed pornography on the internet and also had um, a, a little 26 word um, section called Section 230, which, which said that interactive computer services um, could not be held liable if they were sued for publication torts relating to the, the information provided by a third-party information content provider. The, the reason for this, for this um, the addition of this uh, section though was because uh, there'd been these two, two there'd been a, several different lawsuits against uh, internet service providers like CompuServe and Prodigy. Remember and CompuServe? <laughs> I was like not you, really. You just said that as though like there was this thing called CompuServe, but that's like saying, do you remember the East, like you know, the East India Tea Company, right? It's it's kind of like this, like old version of what we think of as the internet. So my family was a prodigy family, and so that was our that was our um, our bulletin board. We had prodigy email, and that was what I used to always get my whole family kicked off of because I was so um, completely disgusting and and obscene in, in 
as a high school student in, on the bulletin boards. But after 1996, Prodigy had no liability for your disgusting behavior, Carrie. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was, I was upset because they were actually censoring me. Um, and, and, you know, now I, I, I know why, but, but so at the <laughs> time, at the time though, back in the, in the 90s, um, people who were defamed on, on these, these very two-dimensional bulletin boards would get sued, um, and, or they would, they would sue, but in, in addition to suing the, the individual who, you know, was talking trash about them, they would also sue the, the, um, the bulletin board, the, the, um, information service provider. And there was some very large, um, there were discrepancies between the decision, there, like the results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, it, sometimes in some of the cases, like in, in CompuServe, right? They they found that um, that there was there was no liability, right? But in in Prodigy, they found that there was liability because Prodigy had been. Did I get these mixed up? Prodigy had, no, had no, you got it right. It had you been right. editing the content, and therefore it was itself um, in. The, playing the role of, of a publisher and therefore it should be liable for, for all the content on its platform. So our lawmakers, um, uh, I guess it was Wyden who was a-, a Chris Cox lawmaker. and Ron Wyden. Yeah, they, um, they were like, oh, this, this internet could be a really cool thing, um, but we can't have all these you know, big bad plaintiffs suing these internet companies all the time. So let's have this this section of because 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 they thought that it was going to like kill the internet basically they yeah, thought that if like you sued the theory was if you hold the platform liable for the most reckless thing that sixteen year old Carrie Goldberg publishes on it which they have no ability to control at the time right except by manually reading mm -hmm. it and deleting it uh, you'll kill these engines of innovation, CompuServe, Prodigy, AOL, um, and these on what, what they called online services were the future. Um, they of course had no concept that these companies would vanish within a few years and what we'd have are social media entities, but that was the theory of it. And there was also the idea that like they wanted to incentivize censorship because of all of this pornography that was out there that they could not censor cleanly under the first amendment, right? Or they, and they thought that there were harms happening like Carrie Goldberg harming, like teenage Carrie Goldberg. So they wanted to incentivize companies to take down and to moderate these types of things, but they couldn't, that, but they couldn't order them to do that. And like under these two different decisions, if the companies, basically what Prodigy told them was like, Listen, if you um, if you t start like if you police this area and you do any moderating whatsoever, you put your hook on, you put yourself on the line for liability for any screw up that you make. Um, so if you fail to take down something good or something bad, um, and we sue you, then like you're screwed. So it was like these dual kind of like things. They both wanted to incentivize them keeping stuff up and them taking stuff down. Um, right. Yeah. And so sorry, that was just like I, it's always kind no, of. How I and so of course, so it gets passed in, in 1995, goes into effect in 1996. And I think it like wasn't probably all that controversial back then. Um, 
Well, the CDA then, was because it got struck down in Reno. And then in 1997, yep. it, yeah, the um, all all the language about the child pornography was struck down for for First Amendment reasons. But the the 26 line passage of of Section 230 stuck around, and over the years. And Ben, this was a word that you use that I've been using nonstop. It's been interpreted so extravagantly. I, I extravagantly is like the best word ever for for the way courts have interpreted it because I think that um, at the time the the internet was so much more two dimensional and really most of the things that you could get in trouble for had to do with with publishing and and um, you know obscenity defamation. But over the years, the the, um, the law, the Section two hundred and thirty, immunized basically these internet service providers for anything, <laughs> any kind of right. tort, um, whether it had to do with um, negligence or product liability, as in the Grinder case, um, or it didn't, you know, it, it wasn't didn't have to be a, a publication. Um, yeah, I mean, I like just to like to give you an idea of how extravagant I don't remember using that term but I certainly don't run away from it it's it's absolutely I think it's absolutely right how extravagant the interpretation of was the concern that led to 230 this this aspect of 230 was that if I defamed Carrie the carrier would be held liable for it and since these are real-time things if I said for example, some of the things about Carrie that our Zoom trolls say in our Q and A, uh, she wouldn't sue me; she would sue Zoom, and that's a legitimate policy concern, right? But then you have this other problem of Zoom because, because and the reason we have that just to give a little bit of back history is like we allow that for things like the New York Times and like other types of publishers. There are types of publishers that if they, the problem with section 230 in the internet is it's unclear what to compare an internet platform to. And especially it was in 1995 or 1996, which was to try to understand, is this like the New York Times such as they should be liable for these things or are they more like this neutral conduit? And I think we can all recognize in this extravagant thing that that wasn't, that is like, uh, a, like an oversimplification no matter, and there's nothing perfect that fits. Right, so let's let's now take the extreme example on, and I'll let Carrie describe the Grinder case, which is the near extreme example, but it's actually not the extreme example. The extreme example is a site called Omegle, which those of you listening who are over the age of 21 have never heard of, or maybe 25, and everybody under the age of 25 has smiled as I've mentioned it because knowledge of it is ubiquitous. Omegle is a social media site whose slogan is talk to strangers. And I would not say it is a site that is designed to help so uh, sexual predators access children. But I would say that if you were going to design a social media site for the express purpose of helping uh, sexual predators access children, it would be a, it would look a hell of a lot like Omegle. Um, and Omegle recognizes that. And if you go look at their site, 
they have um, a uh, disclaimer that at least the last time I looked at it used to say sexual predators have been known to use Omegle, use at your own peril. Human nature is inherently unpredictable. Everybody who uses this site is responsible for their own behavior. And of course, on uh, under Section 230, they are absolutely correct. Um, if, you, if they provide this service knowing and even kind of intending, and I'm not saying they intend, but they certainly do know, uh, as suggested by their disclaimer, that sexual predators use the site for purposes of accessing children, uh, they cannot be held liable for that because of Section 230. Only the individuals can be held responsible for their actions. And so, like, I do think that is an example of extravagance to use to, uh, um, I also, think it is very hard to justify as a matter of policy. And just to, to foot stomp that point, imagine you did that in meat space, right? So what Omegle does is they create, you sign on and they pair you with a random stranger who may be another 13 year old looking for kicks or maybe a 47 year old looking to groom you for something. Um, they do basically no checking um, and you get put in a chat room with that person. So imagine you did that in meat space and you had like a big uh, market, you know, a sort of agora and people could walk in and, you know, you would put them in a private room with a random person. Um, that entity would be radically liable for anything that went on in that room. Right, and there is no section 230 that says, you know, if if Zoom randomly pairs me to be in a in a chat in a, in a in a physical space with Carrie Goldberg and she does something horrible to me, the hotel in question, you know, the Ritz Carlton bears no responsibility. But if it is Zoom, that's section 230 and Zoom is, is absolutely immune from liability. And I do think that is really hard to justify. And having spent as much time as I have on the sextortion cases, uh, I have no doubt that the companies are uh, reaping an incredible windfall uh, from not being responsible for the unbelievably disgusting activity that takes place on their platforms and that they have knowingly designed their platforms to facilitate, if not intentionally. And I wanna call out particularly Kick Messenger as the worst of the worst here beyond Omegle. So with that as a preface, Carrie, like a lot of uh, watchers have a sense of grinder how bad is Grinder in this department and how immune are they? Really quick, I just kind of want to like frame, like bring us from the, conver the historical conversation and what you just said and kind of like stage what the current stand, like what the meaning of being pro 230 or anti 230 is now. Like, I think that like pretty much like people who are pro, like super pro 230 tend to be free speech enthusiasts, people who think, that believe in kind of um, 
technological self-help and self-governance and that like technology companies can govern themselves. I would say it's more civil libertarians, kind-minded people, and that type of thing is like kind of the camp that's pro 230, a lot of like libertarian kind of types because they like small businesses and they think that section 230 allows small businesses to do their thing and protects them. And they think that people like, and they tend to like undervalue the scale of harm that these that these companies can provide. And on the other side, I would say there's kind of the, pro, there's a progressive left that tends, not even left, but like a kind of a move towards like the anti-230, like we're Carrie, you're the very kind of farthest that I know on this, is just kind of like, this is like, this allows huge companies to just like do exactly what Ben said, take advantage of things. Um, to it, like there's all of these people who are experiencing these really serious harms and have no form of recourse for any of their harms, which you're going to about to tell us. I really can't wait for you to tell the story about Herrick. Um, and I think that like, just personally me, like I am like solidly see both sides of like what 230 provides and think that there are in particular bad actors and think that platforms are moving towards a product based um, product based kind of um, identification more than they are a communications identification. So if for that, like by that, I mean, I think they're moving less about being about speech and more about being about conduct. And the more they do that, I think the more they should be not covered by section 230. But that doesn't mean that I think, I think that section 230 should like go the way of the dinosaurs, but like things like kick messenger, things like um, Omegle, like all of those things are not also what typically gets wrapped up in section 230 stuff, which is Twitter and Facebook and like all of the huge ones, which do a decent job under 230. But yeah, so just, just, just to be clear, I know like Facebook gets a lot of guff and rightly so about a lot of things in my experience in the sexual exploitation department, they are not the problem in the no. 230 arena. And, and you know, whatever they may be in the disinformation arena, um, I have not seen in my sextortion research a lot of the activity taking place on Facebook. And they're actually pretty good at removing, you don't see a lot of uh, non-consenting nude images on Facebook. They're relatively good at getting that stuff off. And so like this is the biggest problem here is in, at least in my experience, in the relatively up and coming companies. And Grindr is a really good example of that where they're, um, you know, this is a company that's growing very fast. It's, um, and, you know, they cut some corners, a lot of corners, and they cut them knowing that they couldn't be held liable for it. So Carrie, tell us about your your case. And just really quickly for the high level, just at the really highest level, start out with what like Grindr is. Okay, so um, my, I don't really have an agenda against Grindr, but as a- I do. Rights, as a victim's rights lawyer though, you know, if somebody comes to my office and, their life has been overturned by a, a person, a company, a school or a product, then I'm going to like, you know, fight to fight to the death. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, so, um, and it, it is, 
just disgusting to me that there could be an entire sector of industry that is just like outside the courts. But um, so Grindr is a gay dating app that the most popular um, gay dating app in the world um, with like last, I can't remember how many users, but like, uh, like 4 million users or, and, and it's in like a hundred different, 120 different, different companies. And it basically makes its money by, um, through like selling ads, like, like all these companies do geolocating people and, and selling ads to them based on location. And, um, and it's free for, for users. You can, you can pay for, for a, a stepped up program. So, um, in 2016, the very, very end of 2016, Matthew Herrick um, came to my office. He was uh, brought by some legal aid attorneys who couldn't, like they'd reached the, the point where they could continue helping him. He'd gotten an order of protection. He'd reported um, the abuse that he was dealing with um, to the police like 10 times. And they were like hamstrung and he explained to me that uh, for the past couple months, uh, his his ex boyfriend had been impersonating him on Grinder, using his picture and his name and his location, and then sending strangers to Matthew's home to, you know, have have sex with him. And the guy would the the ex would you know DM with the strangers and and make it seem like Matthew had you know, these, these rape fantasies and, and had drugs to share. And so at all hours of the day and night, people would come, they'd be waiting for him in the stairwell. They'd follow him into the bathroom at work. It was, it was nonstop. It was uh, as many as like 23 times a day for altogether um, about nine months of, of this. And at about month, two he hired me and at the time i had been doing all this work with different big tech companies like like facebook and 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 google dealing with their revenge porn policies so i was like super smug and and thought i could just you know call up their general counsel and and get this guy removed from the platform but um there was no one like no one responded to my emails no one responded to my calls and so we ended up going to, to Supreme Court in New York, getting an, uh, a restraining order that required that, that Grindr ban this guy from their platform. And we served that on Grindr and Grindr just continued to, to ignore us. And more and more people were coming to Matthew's home. It was scary as all hell. Like there was, um, there were a couple of people that attacked. Were people his... angry by the way? I've never like, were they like yeah. pissed when they showed up and like realized that it was, they had been duped? Were they nice to him? Sometimes Did they, they didn't bad? believe him. No, they were not nice. I mean, like some, some of them were just like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm so embarrassed. Others were like really fucking pissed. And- Well, they went like, a long well, way. Tried to steal his roommate's phone. There were, there were altercations, especially the people who came that were really strung out. Those were really always very ugly encounters. And then later on, um, the offender impersonating Matthew would say really, would say homophobic things and, um, and racist things. And so people not only were coming to have sex with him, but they were coming to kiss, kick his ass. Um, so, um, 
So, but so Grinder was just completely MIA, even after we'd brought this lawsuit. And then they hired, um, you know, some fancy white white shoe uh, lawyers who removed it to federal court. And I mean, I'm up until this point, I've always just been like a down and dirty state court kind of girl. And so now I was like, oh shit, federal court, god damn it. Um, like they're like that was that was very intimidating for me. Um, so the, the case was in federal court. Finally, their attorneys appear and they, I'm, I'm trying to get the, um, the restraining order extended. And, and their argument is, well, there's no merit to anything that they're arguing. Any, any, you know, like we're, we're completely immune from liability under section 230. So, so you can't, you can't even restrain this. You can't even extend this restraining order. And I was like, no judge check it out. Section 230 is about, you know, third party content. And I'm not suing Grindr for anything that, that this, that this, you know, other guy did. I'm not suing them for the words he used or the content in the, the, um, the fake profiles that he was making. I'm suing Grindr because, you know, they're, they're not responding to, to my client. They don't have the infrastructure to respond to him. They're being negligent. And uh, the, and then the, um, the other attorneys were like, yeah, but, but check it out. Like our client doesn't even have the technology to exclude this user. And because they're, they're immune from liability under section 230, they don't have to, it's not negligent. It's reasonable. <laughs> it's like, it's reasonable not for them not to have to, you know, make an editorial decision about who uses their product. And I'm like, yeah, but users are not Editor, you know, like that's not an editorial decision. That's something else. Um, but really, this light bulb went off when when Grinder was like saying that they didn't have the 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 technology to to exclude somebody because you know in my mind it's just like it's such an arithmetic certainty that if you have a dating app that facilitates in person sexual encounters, it's going to sometimes be abused by rapists, by child abusers, by, by stalkers. And if you've not designed into your product a way to exclude those users, then you've created a dangerous product. And so after that court appearance, I went back to my office and amended the complaint so that it became a product liability case. And I thought that this was like the sure way to, to get around um, Section 230. And course my my adversaries were like well they're they're just trying to skirt section 230 well yeah of course i'm just trying to skirt 230 like it's like this huge boulder that is like in the way of, of getting justice um for for my client and for getting this goddamn miserable situation miserable and dangerous situation to end um but ultimately the the entire case was dismissed on a 12b6 motion um, because of Section 230, and uh, which means that Grinder didn't even have to prove that they were, they didn't have to even plead it, they didn't have to claim anything, that they were entitled to the immunity. The case was dismissed in the earliest stage possible, which is um, basically the court saying that, you know, Matthew didn't deserve to be in court because this type of defendant is so protected 
that we're going to just throw the case out at the earliest stage. And me, the judge, is going to make all these factual determinations. I'm going to determine that this is an interactive computer service, that this was that they were being held responsible um, for their role as a pu publisher, and that th that it was all about you know information content provided by a third party information content provider. To be uh, fair, the law and the fact differential there in a 12b6 is like, it's always bullshit, Carrie. Like that's always like, I think that's always bullshit. Like I've always thought that the law fact, like they teach you in law school, as you know, like, oh, like this is a finding of fact versus a finding of law. And like, that. It, I, I know, I think that like, but this is why this is, you know, anyways, sorry. I just thought, I think that like, it's interesting, but I don't think that that's like, it's not unique to this case. That type of shit happens all the time. No, but it is like, I mean, like it's supposed to be that like everything that, you know, if everything that you're pleading is true, then it should be able to, to um, survive a 12B6 motion. I mean, under Iqbal and Twombly. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's- a, but I, I want to take this in a different direction. So the the Second Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the dismissal. The Supreme Court refused to hear the case. Um, so, and so let's dispense with the question of whether they correctly read the law or incorrectly read the law. Let's say as a functional matter, the circuits are broadly in agreement about what this law means. So this makes it a legislative matter at this point. If like, if we're gonna get a situation where a company even has to think about how their service is being used, um, we're going to have to have a legislative remedy because we're not going to get a judicial remedy. And Carrie and I went to a very pugilistic meeting at the DOJ that was ostensibly about Section 230. Uh, and I think we both were on panels. I, again, I've mentioned this before. I don't know if you counted as testifying, but whatever it was, we were giving our commentary. And like, I think that we were both like walked away from that being like, this is a beard for the Earn It Act. And this is like complete garbage. And this isn't really about amending section 230 about the issues we care about at all. It's really about encryption. It is really about encryption. So Carrie, do you agree? I, that event um, most certainly was about encryption and also about um, this belief of of bias in the content moderation um, against conservatives conservatives yeah so it was like so, crazy so, how, so let's let's take that apart for a minute because like so far we've been talking about one subject which is whether the immunity given to platforms is too expansive um, and all of a sudden, with reference to one DOJ event, we have radically expanded the subject to include the propriety of companies using end-to-end -end encryption and whether companies are discriminating against conservatives in their content moderation. So I'm just gonna throw this open to both of you. How the heck did we get from this relatively discrete liability issue to this very expansive conversation about tech policy and content moderation. I mean, I would say that like, it's this very interesting thing in which conservatives started, like conservatives 
are biased against in certain ways um, on um, on like online platforms. Um, but they but that's because they trend towards things like hate speech, which are widely taken down on platforms. And there's all these types of things, which means that they want some type of neutral platform to post other shit to, which means that they're anti 230, which means that actually really interestingly, people like Carrie and people like robust conservatives come around to the same point and are like, we're both anti 230. And like, maybe we can like, maybe we can like kind of put our differences aside over this common ground. And like, the thing is, is that there's just, that's kind of, and so similarly, like there is conservatives also have this specifically this DOJ and this executive have this wish for like huge executive reach and control. And so like ending end to end encryption would be a huge move towards, um, towards having more reach into people's privacy and secure data. Um, and keeping them outside the outside the realm of um, outside the realm of surveillance. Um, so that's I guess that's how I formulate like how they fit together. Carrie, what do and you think? Do you think that there's a there is there common cause to you for you and Bill Barr to make against Section Two Thirty? Okay, so or Josh Hawley. I don't. Um, I'm not approaching Section Two Thirty from a speech direction. Um, I'm looking at it as like, you know, I'm dealing with people that are really severely injured. You know, it's not just that they're, that, you know, their Twitter account is, is, um, is deactivated for a few weeks. It's like that they were live stream raped, you know, on, um, on a social media platform or that, you know, you know, 1200 men were coming to their home and a dating app didn't give a shit. Or my client whose daughter was murdered on a first date by, you know, somebody she met on Match, you know, who had a record as a sex offender. So, you know, it's I'm 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 coming at it from a different angle. Um, I want people who are severely injured to be able to sue these platforms that that you know I feel are are partly responsible. Um, but with with regard to the 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 far right, um, I guess, censorship and the end-to-end -end encryption. I think it's, it's simple. I think that, um, you know, the, the right has those two agenda thing, uh, things. And what do they, you know, what does big tech have um, that they, you know, that could be taken away, section 230. And so I think there's been this real, like kind of jujitsu to try to, to somehow make it all, you know, to create this like, oh, you can't have end-to-end -end encryption if you still want section 230 immunity, um, which is, is what the, the Earn It Act ultimately is going to, to um, is ultimately probably gonna propose. Um, but I think it's, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a creative, um, it's creative entry by the DOJ. I mean, we all know that Facebook has got more surveillance power than they could ever dream of having. <laughs> um, and so this is, you know, a, a way that they can maybe get back some of the, the power over, you know, from this like private company who shouldn't have it in the first place. Um, well, with that, speaking of jujitsu, we have um, a very special second mystery guest with us today. Um, I'm, Proud to uh, to uh, introduce uh, Yorick. 
Yorick has, <laughs> Yorick is disappearing, falling backwards into money. Wow. <laughs> Yorick uh, is, is um, my, um, my punching and kicking things trainer, my violence trainer, as you will, if you will. Um, he uh, first, um, he was, I think the, I met you because you were training with John, my partner at the gym. And John was like, hey, you really should work out more, Kate. That wasn't like, I'm getting fat. It was just like, he was like, it's good for mental health to kick things and punch things. It's, it feels nice. It is. And so basically he was like, I'm going to buy you some training sessions with Yorick because Yorick started personal training. And it was, I was like, his name is actually Yorick? Like, like alas, poor Yorick? And he's like, oh yeah. And then I showed up at the gym and you had a very big skull. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That was, um, that was pretty great. Um, oh yeah, we love oh. here. Everyone Yay, gets- puppies. Everyone's got their puppies. I got my puppy. Um, I love it. Um, Apollo's eating your pizza crust. Where's my pizza? <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I tweeted about Yorick specifically after he decided to go because he's one, he's hilarious in top of being a great trainer and two, got this great backstory. And then three, um, you were really going for it on Instagram for a while, trying to get Costco of all places, Costco Kirkland brand to sponsor your training. <laughs> and so that was hilarious. Ben loved it. I thought it would be fun. We're starting Pugilism Week. We didn't know we were starting Pugilism Week. I actually lined up both of you. Didn't tell Ben that this was going, that you were the guests. And then and I then announced ben, Pugilism Week. And so then we have, independently, we, Ben was like, we should make this week a, like a, like a so sparring we, week. We have a warrior against Section 230 and we have a uh, mixed martial artist. So Yorick, uh, let's do some violence. Yeah, you're on, you're on mute. Oh yeah, you gotta unmute yourself. I'm sorry, I've been talking smack this whole time. I had no idea. <laughs> and, and, and remember uh, that anything you say, Zoom cannot be held liable for. So, yeah, so, so we were just having know, an argument about like this is your chance to to like say inappropriate things that the company is immunized for. And you have like two good I immunized? You. All right, sweet. Yeah, you'd be like, all that was said in jest. My client cannot be held accountable for anything he said about Kirkland or Costco. What is that? you like that trail mix so much, dude? It's so good. Yo, honestly, I've tried to like switch to like other trail mixes, but the ratio <laughs> is perfect. They don't skimp on the cashews. They don't throw sunflower seeds in there, which like is a cardinal sin in my opinion, because then when you're done with your bag of trail mix, you just have a bag of sunflower seeds at the bottom. It's funny because cardinals love sunflower seeds <laughs> that is true all right so it's not a cardinal sin cardinal it ranks high amongst cardinals uh but yeah i i, I tried to switch off i tried to like find other trail mix brands and like oh maybe i can get them to sponsor me but like you know i can't fold on my morals so what do you want what do you want sponsorship for genuinely just free trail mix oh i see you're just you're just in it for the free trail mix. <laughs> <laughs> so a friend of mine is a photographer and before my last fight he was like hey when you post these pictures make sure you tag a whole bunch of companies 
uh, and that because that's how you get sponsorships. I was like, all right, I should start taking this side of like the business more seriously. And I was like, all right, well, I try to think about it like, what, who do I want to sponsor me, and then who, what do I really like want? And I was like, the only thing I want that I don't buy often uh, is Kirkland Trail Mix. So I went on a very hard Instagram campaign. Turns out they have no social media or internet presence whatsoever, uh, but I'm still gunning for it. So Costco, if you're watching this, if you're listening, and you need somebody with the hands defending the toilet paper aisle, get it, your boy. Pay me a trail mix or with it. I'm totally down with that. So listen, I have only ever challenged one person in public to a fight, and it was Vladimir Putin. And um, and I wrote an article about it. The Kremlin actually responded to the article, um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of a coup. Um, they said they'd never heard of me and they only take responses from real journalists. Um, uh, but leave aside the merits of the response. Um, so I want to ask, you're a professional fighter. I am a middle-aged desk worker. Middle-aged desk worker with some training in Taekwondo and some, some Aikido. I've got, you know, black belts in both, but I'm like, I don't want to pretend I'm like some, you know, great ultimate fighter or anything. Against the president of Russia who, you know, used to be, he's, he's 15 years older than me, used to be a serious uh, judo uh, uh, guy and, and um, but I don't think has ever done any striking. And he's not a, you know, like he's busy being president of Russia and, you know, having people murdered and interfering in other countries' politics and oppressing LGBT people. He's not really spending a lot of time training these days. So how do you shape it up if Putin responded and did read to meet me on uh, in a location where he can't have me arrested. How do I shape up against Vladimir Putin? You want my serious answer or, or uh, you know, I'll give you my serious answer then my serious, serious answer. Serious answer, uh, being a kickboxer who uh, transitioned to mixed martial arts, it's very, very hard at first to stop that grappling. But if you learn like a couple key things, you can shut it down. And then once they lose that grappling element, it's a lot easier to like beat them up because they can't strike. But I don't understand. Oh. Hang on, let me just pause you right there, okay? Yeah, hit me. Like we get within a sidekick length of each other. Why isn't one sidekick to the chest the end of this conversation? All I'm gonna say is it better be, you know? I've, I've thought the same thing before. It doesn't always pan out like that. Fighting is wild. Yurik has like, I will say that Yurik has like a really gnarly kick. That's like Yurik's signature move. He's Skinny got, legs and big feet. He's really good at the leg thing. Like, okay, and, so, yeah. so you're, you're saying like, I better end it quickly because quickly, but if you he better, gets you know, his hands on my arms or my leg, it, it, it could be, it could be more difficult. So all I'm saying is you got to pick at them. You got to stay on your feet. You got to keep moving. You got to keep it rangy. Right. Also depends on where we're fighting. If you guys are fighting in like a basketball court, you can just keep sliding backwards, make your run into stuff. If you're fighting in a ring, a little smaller, more corners. Uh, either way, I feel like somebody's probably going to snipe you from the bleachers. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's like that's a actually <laughs> Kasparov 
warned me about this when 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 this thing was public on 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 Twitter. You know, Kasparov, who knows something about Putin's thuggery, said, you know, he he's the kind of guy who will have you beaten up by thugs and then arrested for assaulting the thugs. Um, and so, you know, I, I like like I think there's a like whether the fight will be fair or whether I'd be picked off by those guys is a fair question. Yeah, that was my serious, serious answer that you're probably like probably not even getting close to putting a foot on him. Oh my God, but what if he's riding his tiger? Oh no, he doesn't ride a tiger. He no, has a tiger and he like rides a horse. I forgot. Like, yeah, bare chested. Bare chested. Okay, I got, I mixed up my memes for a second. My Putin memes. Wait, I, I'm sad that I need to ask this, but there's a lot of tigers flying around these days. Does he actually own a tiger that he rides around? No, it's not a, it, he didn't ride it around. There's a video of him carrying is it a tiger or a like a no? It's, it's some a tiger. Kind of bobcat or something. No, uh, it's a tiger. Yeah, it, and there's pictures of him with a tiger, like that he has. Yeah, so. but it was um, allegedly he was rescuing it, um, not like a you know. <laughs> Kirkland tiger. Trail mix, very good. That's great. <laughs> so, By the way, York, this is Carrie. Carrie is my friend that? who I've been trying to get you guys to bring in to have a workout with you. She also does kickbox training. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah. so I want to, I, I want, oh, there it is. So I, let's, let's, first of all, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're on the Zoom call, dude, just send, like tweet at Costco, sponsor Yorick. Um, yeah. Like, like, like we got to get that train, that thing, like do it at them, you know, find their, their little at and we need a, what what's what's the hashtag? Is it sponsor Yorick? Yeah, yeah, let's use that. that. I was been using uh, the ones that popped up from Instagram were uh, Trail Mix for Yorick or uh, Trail Mix Martial Arts was a good one. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So mm -hmm. let's, let's get this going because I, you know, York... there's no reason. How much Trail Mix do you require, Yorick? <laughs> oh my God, yo. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you wouldn't bring that. All right, so after after my last fight, I was like, you know what, it's time. I bought myself a giant bag of, like the five pound bag of uh, Kirkland Trail Mix. And because it was after the fight, was not watching what, was, what I was eating. I finished it in three days, which I'm not sure how your math is, but that's like 1.6 pounds of Trail Mix per day. Uh, so I, I can't even keep it in the house. Don't shame me, Kate. Wait, I love, I miss our visits at the gym. By the way, you and Carrie are both in Brooklyn. I don't know what you're doing for, for. Um, I think you're still in Brooklyn. I don't know, because I haven't caught up with yeah. you. Yep. Okay, but you guys are not far from each other. You're a half a mile walk. So if like, if there are, if I don't know what the rules are for social distancing right now, but if you want to do workouts, you guys should meet each other. Um, Absolutely. As soon as we're allowed to uh, be close together and we'll get written up or nothing. Right, yeah. How does punching work in social distance? That's a really it doesn't, good question. And I am curious <laughs> about it. I'm losing my mind. Uh, all the gyms are shut down. And like now they're saying, uh, I think within a month that gyms can open back up with social distancing. Uh, so I don't know how we're going to swing that one because you kind of can't when you're trying to murder each other. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know if you have like a, uh, we just assign everybody a one gym buddy and like, this is who you're quarantine fighting with and that's it. Yeah. Don't go near <laughs> anybody else. 
I think that that seems like this is like I haven't like I'm like, but also to to speak of like the thing that I chose in like finding you and starting to work out with like the reason that it was so good versus running or whatever else was like it feels great to just have the socialness of the one other oh, yeah. sparring with and like and hitting and like oh my god it just like. I think that that was some of like the best therapy I did for a couple. We only met like we only did it like like a dozen times, but like it was amazing. But there is like like people who have never done martial arts do not understand how satisfying punching and kicking things and people is. And that's not like I'm not an especially violent person or anything, although I'm sometimes violent. But uh, <laughs> you know, like like there is a primal delight in being like in having somebody's permission, giving your permission, hit me, kick me, and having that person's permission, hit me, kick me. It's, you know, a discrete period of time. You're not, uh, there's nothing hostile about it. It's, uh, and for some reason, if you call it football, and you call it an offensive line and a defensive line, everybody like totally, oh yeah, that's fine. Just run into that person, smack your head into, into that person's skull, right? And that seems socially acceptable and we don't call it violence, but if it's, um, you know, or if it's a baseball sliding into second base, we, you know, we don't think of it that way. But somehow if it's a punch or a kick, we think of it as very violent and very sort of socially, transgressive it is an immensely satisfying thing that's all i got yeah i think people get the wrong idea about it a lot uh i think like like when, when you do it you can't possibly like you, there's somebody in front of you trying to take your head off you know is like you can't really think about like anything that stresses you out like your taxes or anything like that you're just handling that so it's the most present you could possibly be uh, but also, I think like the average person really overestimates the amount that they know about it, uh, you know, but we're used to seeing football, we're used to seeing like, you know, hockey or whatever as like in a, a sport, whereas fighting, like other than like boxing, has not been a popular sport for that long. Uh, but technically anybody can do it whenever. So I think people like, you know, put, put their opinions on it much easier. Carrie, when did you get into kicking and punching things? Uh, I got into kicking and punching things. I think my first fight was like 2012 or 2013. And I started training like two months before that. I'd kind of like dabbled here and there with like, uh, like different martial arts, like here, here and there, but like, I didn't really train seriously until, uh, I remember it was 2012 or 2013. I wanted, let's, we'll say 2013. Uh, I started training with, uh, the owner of the gym that me and John know each other from and that we train in. I uh, started training with him, and then two months later, I had my first fight. How about was, you, uh, Carrie? When did, when did you start kicking and punching people? Mm, probably around 2010. And I mean, Ooh, mine, you is, you me. mine is very, like, not in a ring. It, I've got um, a really high kick, and so I, um, I became very vain about that. And so I would go to all these cardio <laughs> kickboxing classes, and... Um, and just kick higher than any of the Equinox instructors. And then I, I installed a, a punching bag in my office. It's velvet. I, it's velvet. Because I rage, and I was throwing shit at walls 
and didn't want to be that kind of boss. <laughs> and, and so got a punching bag. York, York, you should go and train her at her office on her velvet punching bag because no one's there anymore. Uh, it would I'm be cold, a and also, I genuinely need to see this velvet punching bag. That sounds super lush. It is so beautiful. I know it's not very, you, it, no, you don't use it that much, but it's so gorgeous. What color? It's maroon. See, I was going to say it needs to be some kind of purple. That's perfect. Self, yeah. Selfie or it didn't happen, Carrie. Um, <laughs> I think we're running out of time for the workout that we had planned, but this was so All fun right. anyways. Do you want to teach, unless you want to do something, Yorick, what are you thinking? Uh, Yorick, show Whatever me. you guys want to do. No, no, no. I think we need, we, look, when we had Maggie on, she sang, Yorick throws punches and kicks. We got to see some punches. Uh, and yeah, I put on my like virtual. workout clothes for this. Yeah, I'm wearing my workout clothes. I am too. Let's turn this virtual background off. I feel like I need to specifically teach you how to defend from Putin takedowns. I'm gonna move. Okay. Mm -mm. Ah, there we go. Back to this nice exposed brick and tapestry behind me. I like this. I like brick. it. Yeah, that's nice, right? Okay. Oh. All right. Find some space. We gotta punch the air. You guys want to work out with us? Okay, I'm finding space. I'm gonna punch things. How much time do we have for the violence? Like whatever, ten minutes. Is that enough? Oh, yeah. I got plenty of time. I don't know how much people want to watch us work out. <laughs> no, it's kind of entertaining. I mean, I'm trying to see that high kick. I wasn't planning on any kicks. I don't have yeah, space. Yeah, now I was going to, now, are you outside? No reason this why you cool. kick. I want to see Carrie's high kick. I don't know if I can kick things. Wait. I'm going to hit a Oh, whoa, you're outside. That's nice. Right. Whoa. Right. Not bad, <laughs> Carrie. All right, uh, Ben, you left to your righty. Wait, you all know how to stand. Right. You've all hit stuff before. All right. Yeah. Stand how you stand. We're gonna work on the jab first. So whatever hand's in front for me, it's the, uh, I switched, so I'm by stanchual, but whatever hand you like in the front, we're gonna start with that one, right? All right. You're gonna start, every, every single punch is going to start from your feet, right? Whoops, knocked you over. Every single punch starts from your feet. So what we're gonna do is, Push from the back foot, take a little step with the front foot, all right? All right. So again, hands up, push from the back foot, pop it out, bring it right back in. I'm gonna fix this I camera like angle. I'm gonna yell at y'all. This is called the jab, can go to the face, can go to the body, can go to the stomach, the chest, right? Can go to the eyes, go to the chin. It's very good for uh, keeping Vladimir Putin away from you when he's trying to clinch up but make sure you keep keep those feet moving, right? Carrie, so what is this fucking look? This is like not fair. I'm like in like, I haven't washed this sweatshirt in three weeks and you're like in a hole. <laughs> I know, Tor got me in this whole like outfit. Okay. Yo, just waiting to bust this out. I feel like a hobo right now. I don't keep like- Keep that rear hand up, keep right. that jab going. If you want, double it up. Uh, sweet, everybody looking real mean. Do most people like crosses better? Yeah, I like uh, yo, crosses better. Yeah, cross, crosses are way better. We're doing that now. So again, after the jab, what we're going to do is throw the rear hand, all right? So it's going to start with a very big rotation from my back foot, okay. then my hip, then my then my, uh, my shoulder, and my fist, right? So again, 
foot, hip, shoulder, and fist. Foot and hip go first, then my shoulder rotates, my fist goes out. Boom, right? So let's go jab, cross. Lead hand, rear hand. Feels really good. Oh, it's the best. You can do this cool flourish after you hit your cross as well, where you kind of lasso it real quick. I don't know why, but I see a lot of people doing that. When you take them down in the first hit, you know, you're going to... Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I don't do it. I do it all the time. No, no, no. I'm totally down with that. Because, you know, Putin's going down with one, with one punch or kick. And <laughs> definitely want to spike the football afterwards. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> What's so, this move? That is... What's I don't know how to defend move? against that one. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was pretty good, but I feel like you need to close your eyes and look away a little bit. Like this. <laughs> the I classic playground tactic. It's really good to like talk to you. We should do this like on Zoom soon. Speaking of which, been running online violence classes. Yeah. Been watching uh, families across America punch the air in their houses. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, just just because I want to see this high kick that's been talked about so much, we're gonna throw a kick after this, right? So it's gonna right. be the easiest to throw whatever leg is in the back. I, I'm going to reposition my camera so I don't knock over my whole house. Yeah, I'm gonna knock some stuff over. You know what? It's worth it. Okay, so starting from the rear leg, I'm going to get up tall on my lead leg. I'm going to just rotate, Whoop. right? So hands are up, whatever side I'm kicking with, I can swing that arm down if I want to, right? So I come up, I start to turn my hips, the leg just goes right by. Again, up, right by, don't kick your lamp. It's actually really a lot easier to turn on this floor than it is the gym floor. Hardwood and socks is what I'm talking about. Right? Mm-hmm, that's how Putin does it. <laughs> I'm gonna stop running my mouth about Putin. I'm not trying to get Kremlin out here. Yeah, I mean, seriously, no, no, no. we have a lot of trolls. <laughs> ben, please defend me. <laughs> this is Carrie, let me see that kick. Carrie, let's see this kick. Holy shit, you really do have a high kick. Carrie with the, the crazy legs, my God. Yeah, seriously. You and Carrie really should train yeah. because you have crazy legs too. Now nah, let's do it, Ben. You need to bring her when you uh, when you fight, old, old Vlad. We can, come, we can come do it on my deck. Kind of cool that Perfect. you have a deck to do it on. Yeah, this is so great. Are we talking about me, me and you? Are we talking about me and you training or the Putin fight? <laughs> Putin, Putin and Ben on my deck. Yeah, you'll host. Perfect. This is amazing. I that was actually super fun. York, that was so great. So we have now had a live Putin training uh, uh, round with an actual uh, 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 martial arts professional who should be sponsored by Costco Kirkland Trail Mix, uh, and uh, it is now uh, we've run a little bit over. But we're totally cool with that. Yarek, Carrie, thank, thank you, you so for much this for coming. Awesome launch of Pugilism Week.
on in lieu of fun. We will be back tomorrow with pugilism, people who actually want to fight with each other. We're going to give them a forum. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be violence. Um, and Zoom will not be liable. YouTube will not be liable for it. And remember, until then, if you can't have fun, you can still hang out with us in lieu of fun. Love you guys. Thank Bye. you for all coming Thanks on. Thanks for joining Thank us.